Shalom, Meshpocha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Donna Chavez. Thank you, Sid. Hello, everyone. I'm Donna Chavis, and I'm glad you've joined us today for Messianic Vision. Our guest is a pastor, a teacher, and an author who actually dares to tackle the tough topics. And believe me, this is a program that you do not want to miss. So let's get started. I'm so happy to have with me Pastor Eddie Turner. Hi, Pastor Eddie. Hi, Donna. I'm honored to be here today. Well, we are so happy to have you. Now, we're going to be talking about some pretty tough topics today, but I want to jump right in. You've written a brand new book called Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind. Now, I know that's a pretty heavy topic, but it's so, so needed in our churches and in our homes and, you know, really all around our world today. I love the word conquering, but what are you referring to when you say chaos in your mind? And that's the $64 million yes. question that every one of us are dealing with, especially right now in this time in which we're living, this pandemic that we're trying to come out of has bred a lot of fear and torment, confusion, uh, division. Uh, we are constantly working with people who are finding their character traits have been suddenly shifted and changed from being the way they've always lived their life since simply because of the stress and the, the pain emotionally that they're under. They have no uh, way to be able to conquer or to be able to bring peace to this chaos yes. that is, is consuming their minds. Yes, yes. Well, I want to ask you about your book. I mean, like I said, that's a pretty tough topic, and it doesn't only apply to what we've experienced this past year, but, I mean, this this is something that's been going on for many, many years in the church and in the world. Why did you personally write this type of a book? As most of your listeners uh, today understand that we come to church and often we put our mask on and we wear our best or our cleanness, and we smile, and we sing our wonderful worship songs, and we shout our hallelujahs, but at home, uh, behind closed doors, or driving in our car, things uh, are not always hallelujah, yes. and there is pain, and there is emotional trauma, and uh, I wanted to write this book of my story to let people know that even pastors, even preachers, even people who are called of God to deal with the spiritual things of life still battle with uh, thought attacks, racing thoughts, anxiety, just like people that sit in our churches or work in our ministries. It's the, it's the, it has been the unseen uh, traumatic experience of the church, and then for so many years, we didn't want to talk about emotional problems right. or mental problems because that was taboo. We just told people, pray through it, just pray through it, get over it. Uh, and we nobody wanted to feel like they were weak spiritually, so they didn't go there. Yes, yes. And it happened to me, though. When it happened to me, I realized uh, I've, got, I've got to get free from this. And once I got free from the depression, then the Lord started dealing with me to put in writing exactly what I had gone through and how he helped me get through. Well, let's just kind of start at the beginning. Now, you were raised in a wonderful Christian home. You had a grandfather who was a pastor that you just admired and aspired to be like him. You grew up, you went to college, you married your, your sweetheart, and you guys were just ready to go and conquer the world in the ministry. So all that was going fine, but you said one day in November of 1986, Everything changed. What happened, Pastor Eddie? Yeah, I was driving. I know exactly where I was on the road in the little town where I was pastoring, and 
uh, was driving down the road and out of the clear blue. In fact, it was a good season in our life. Uh, my wife used to say uh, she knew we were doing well in ministry when we finally got hamburger for our hamburger helper, <laughs> and we were a- we were able to get some hamburger the week before for our hamburger nice. helper. So it was a great time. Uh, so it was a good time. Our toddler had just started to walk. It was a great season. Some new families had come into the church. It was wonderful. And driving down the road one day, out of the blue, the most hideous thought popped into my mind, the thought, you are demon-possessed. Mm. And when that thought came, you are demon-possessed, it, I, I can still, every time I say it today, I still feel the sting of that thought. Because I thought, immediately I thought then, where in the world did that come right. from? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And I was able, at that moment, to kick it out. But that wasn't the only time that happened. Over the next few months, what happened, Pastor Eddie? For several days, I didn't have that thought mm-hmm. again. You were demon possessed. Yes. But then I had a couple of more instances where... Uh, I would have a chance to feel some jealousy or envy because of something somebody said or something I saw. And right on the heels of that feeling, that thought would pop in my Mm. mind, you are demon-possessed. Or you wouldn't think that way. Christians don't think that way. You're demon-possessed. See, you're demon-possessed, or you wouldn't have those thoughts. And the more that persistent thought, accusatory thought hit me, over time, I had less and less arguments and defense against yes. it. Till eventually, that thought, you are demon-possessed, drove me into a place of paranoia and fear. I got to the point that I could not cope. It sent me into a trance of fear and paranoia that uh, here I am a pastor, and if I'm demon-possessed, how can a pastor be demon-possessed? Right. How could I help anybody? And it, it's, it literally put me in a state of depression that eventually lasted uh, over 12 months. I, it got to the point that I'd hardly get out of my house during that 12-month period, simply because it all began with that one thought. What I've learned about Satan, and our listeners will understand this, Satan just doesn't just stop with one thought. Right. Uh, he, he will bring other accusations once the door is open for him. He comes in full steam ahead. Like like what and, kind of uh, thoughts? God does not love oh. you. You're going crazy. Your family has a history of mental illness. You've escaped it all these years, but now it's come and hit you. You'll never see your boy uh, become an adult. They're going to come get you and put you in a straitjacket. You're going to end up in the mental institution just like your grandmother was in the mental institution. Don't you remember going and see your grandmother mm-hmm. behind bars at the mental institution? Your little boy's going to see you behind wow. bars. People think you're crazy. They know you're crazy. You just don't know it yet. God doesn't love you or your church would be growing. God doesn't love you or you wouldn't have these thoughts. Man. They were like machine gun bullets, yes. a constant onslaught in my mind to the point that it finally wore me down and took me out for a whole year. Well, I know I know your wife uh, was beside you all the way, and she was trying to be understanding and give you encouragement during this time, and, and she was wanting you to go one day with her and your son out for a little outing. What happened during that outing? Yeah, I was about two or three months into it, and, and I hadn't been out of the house for a couple of weeks. And she said, Eddie, would you go with us? Uh, to the grocery store and eat breakfast on Saturday morning. And I said, I just don't want to leave. She said, you've got to get out of the house. Uh, And uh, so she said, just promise me this coming Saturday. And this was like on Tuesday. And uh, I said, okay, I'll try. So I worked my, I prayed. I was working myself up, trying to psych myself up. And finally, Saturday morning arrives. We get our toddler in the car and uh, we head to uh, a a well-known breakfast establishment and it was pretty crowded and I sat down we sat down at a table and she's watching me the whole time and I'm doing pretty good at first we order our breakfast food and before it gets there all of a sudden uh, these thoughts start again Mm. and I feel my I, I break out into a sweat my stomach turns up into knots 
uh, I feel a, a band. It's like a vice grip around my head. The noise intensified. Today, Donna, our our listeners and people listening to us today, they would understand this. These are the symptoms of what is referred to now as anxiety attacks, mm-hmm. panic mm-hmm. attacks. But back in the 80s, uh, you either you were either well or you were having a nervous breakdown. Yes. That was the terminology. Back yes, then. they didn't understand so, it quite as well. And even the church, as you mentioned earlier, they would just chalk it up to, well, you're just not spiritual enough or, or make people that's, feel like their, their faith wasn't strong enough or something. But, but uh, thankfully, now we know that that is certainly not the case. So, so you started having these thoughts again, or they started bombarding you again. What did you do? I ran out of the room. I said, honey, I've, I've, I've got to go home. She said she grabbed my hand. I never will forget it. She grabbed my hand and said, Eddie, don't go. Mm. We can get through this. Just stay right here. I said, I've got to go. And I got up and ran out, uh, got in the car. A moment or two later, she comes out with our little our little toddler and I said, get me home. So she drove me home and she said, Eddie, I've, uh, I've got to get some groceries. I said, well, take him and, and go get groceries. I'm going inside. And I remember walking inside, Donna, and uh, we had just had a little house. So I walked into the little den, and I fell face first into the mm-hmm. carpet, and I began screaming out to God. I said, God, it's true. I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. I can't even go out in public now. You've got to come and help me. Oh, God. I, I remember screaming it over and over again. Oh, God. Yeah. You've got to come and help me. I am losing my mind. I'm going crazy. And I don't know how long I laid there, uh, probably no more than five or six, seven minutes. But suddenly, just laying with my face down in the carpet, I sensed the presence. And I looked up, just lifted my head and looked up. And there I saw feet and sand, somebody wearing sandals in front of me. And I thought immediately, I thought, well, my neighbor who lives across the street, who's a friend of ours, saw me come in, and he's come to check on me. So I better get up. I don't want to hear, see him, have him see me laying here crying, hollering, screaming. He think I'm crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course, I thought I was crazy, too. So when I raised up on my hands and knees, instead of it being my neighbor, it was the Lord Jesus. And uh, immediately, I thought, I've died and gone yes. to heaven. I am, I, or, and then our thought, and then another thought hit me. I am crazy. I'm having hallucinations. But then I looked around my room and realized there's my lounge chair. There's the TV in the corner. There's the bookcase. I realized I was in my den, and there standing in front of me was the Lord Jesus. Wow. So, the first thing he said to me uh, was, uh, Eddie, what would you have me do for you? Now, over the over the last 25 years, I've thought about that many times. I've, I've wanted to go back and replay that and say, if you'll ask me that again, I'll have a better <laughs> list for you this time. <laughs> what, what I need you to do for me. But when you're, and, and our listeners will understand this, when you're in the heat of the battle, when war is raging, especially in your mind or against your family or against your life, the only thing you can think about right then at that moment is how do I get through? How do I navigate this pain I'm in right now? How do I get through this trauma? How do I get through this unhealthy and troubling situation? And when he said to me, Eddie, what would you have me do for you? I said, Lord Jesus, these thoughts, they're killing me. And I never will forget what he said. So kindly, he said, Eddie, I told you, thoughts are as vapors. They will disappear. And I remember immediately my mind went back to a couple months earlier in prayer, early on in this battle, this thought life battle I was having. In prayer one day, I sensed an impression in prayer, vapors, smoke screens. Now, I was new. I was a young pastor. I was new at walking in the things of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So when that impression came, it didn't make any sense. To oh. I didn't have any reference for it. So I just kicked it out and thought, man, man, I, I prayed too long or I've ate 
too bad a pizza or something. Where's that coming from? That makes no sense. So I kicked it out. But then two months later, with the Lord standing in front of me, I realized right then that he was trying to give me my word about what these thoughts were and how powerless they were, but I missed it. Here's something for our listeners to uh, think about. A lot of times God will speak to us through that still, small voice, that inward witness, but because we are looking for something more spectacular, something more sensational, we will miss the leading and the direction and the wording of the Lord. Two months earlier, the Lord had spoke to me. These thoughts are nothing but vapors. But I, I was looking for something spectacular and sensational. I was looking for a prophetic word with thus saith the Lord. So I kicked it out. I didn't pay it any attention. Now, two months forward, the Lord's standing in front of me. And he said, Eddie, I told you those thoughts were as vapors. And if I would have grabbed hold of that word two months earlier, I would have saved myself a lot of pain. That's a good lesson for all of us to maybe pray and ask God and the Holy Spirit to help us be sensitive and in tune when we get those little words and those thoughts and things. I think that's that's probably a little good lesson within the lesson right there. Well, it sure would have helped me if I would have known to be more sensitive. Mm -hmm. And that day in my den, suddenly after he said that, Eddie, I told you thoughts were as vapors. They're a smoke screen. They have no power. Suddenly he reached down and touched the side of my head. And he started to pull out of my head. Suddenly, I'm, I'm seeing this happening. He pulls out the side of my head, what appeared to be a banner. It, I could only reference it like a banner going across the road announcing uh, uh, some kind of special event in a community. He pulled this banner out of the side of my head. And I read the writing on the banner. And the banner said, you are demon-possessed. And that was the one thought that Satan had used to start this cycle of torment and depression. Mm -hmm. And the banner said, you are demon-possessed. And he took that banner, and he blew it. Jesus blew the banner, and it just evaporated like a smoke going away when a strong puff of wind hits smoke. It just evaporated. And then he once again reached down a second time, and he pulled the banner out of the side of my head, another banner, and this one said, God does not love you. Because on the heel of your demon-possessed, the second banner, that thought that Satan had put in my mind over and over, God doesn't love you, or you wouldn't be thinking these thoughts. Mm. God doesn't love you, or you wouldn't be feeling this way. People who love God and that God loves don't think things like this. And the banner that came out was, God does not love you. And once again, he blew it, and it went away. He was demonstrating to me what he had told me months earlier, that thoughts are just vapors. They have no power. And if we can understand that in our thought attack battle, and we all have them. All of our listeners today have had moments of thought attacks. And if we can understand they have no power, and if we can stop them right there, their power will subside in our lives, and their effects will be minimal. And their lies, their lies that you teach in your book, Eddie, and in your ministry, these are lies directly from the enemy, and these were the two that tormented you the most, and he just pulled them right out and blew them away. Wow, the visual of that to me is just just astounding. Well, it was a a, a life-changing moment. And then to finish that story, he reached down and pulled a third one out. And this one had nothing on it. It was blank. Hmm. And uh, it he didn't blow this one. Uh, and as he pulled it out, he said to me, Eddie, there's your problem. And he pointed to the corner. And when I looked to the corner and I saw two monkey-looking creatures. They were huddled in the corner. Now, understand, I'd gone to university. I'd studied religion in university, but I'd never been taught about the supernatural. I'd been taught about the history of the Bible and things of that nature and theological thoughts and arguments, defenses, but I'd never been taught spiritual application and never been taught in university about 
was supernatural. They at the university I went to stayed away from that. Yes. So when I looked over to the corner and I saw these two monkey creatures, even though I hadn't been taught about it, and though in my little Pentecostal church we had heard about it, I'd never had any experience with devils or demons. But I knew in that moment that they were demons. And the Lord Jesus said to me when he pointed, there's your problem. And I noticed each time that Jesus looked at those demons, those little two creatures, they shook with fear. They, they wouldn't even look at him. And then the Lord would look back at me, peace would come. He looked at them again the second time, and they shook with fear. And here's the amazing thing about this. I had lived for two or three months in fear of getting out of my home. I was paranoid. Fear gripped my life. Now, in my den on that day, I am in the presence of demons, and yet there's no fear on me because I'm in the presence of Jesus. Because the Bible says perfect love cast out fear. And I was experiencing at that moment his perfect love. So I had no fear whatsoever in his presence, even though I was in the presence of devils. But the devils sure had fear when Jesus kept looking mm-hmm. at them. And that third banner, instead of him blowing it, he wadded it up in a, like a paper ball and he threw at them. He threw it at them, and uh, he never said a word to them. He never rebuked them. He never gave me a logical debate to, de- to defend my actions against them or to stop them. He just looked at me again and said, there's the problem. And within another moment's time, he was gone. Wow. And that moment that day, began my recovery and restoration in my mind, and he began to teach me wonderful things about helping people get free in their thought life and how Satan manipulates our minds and infuses his thoughts and accusations, condemnations, fears into our minds to eventually move us to action. Yes, and Eddie, do you go back to that that memory over the years and, and say, I stood right there and and I saw and Jesus showed me that I didn't have to be afraid and he certainly wasn't afraid. It was those those demons that were afraid. I bet that completely changed the way you looked at it. Of course it did, Donna. Uh, every one of our listeners today understand fear. We especially understand fear during this uh, pandemic. Sure. We especially understand fear with all the international chaos that's taking place. And fear will will consume us all if we're not careful. But that day, in the presence of Jesus, when, when I was present with him, fear had left. The only one that was fearful that day was the devil, wow. the two demons. Wow. And over the years, when I've got in situations, and there have been plenty of situations where fear has tried to get back on me, I rehearsed in my mind that image, that scene, that moment, and have to remind myself again that uh, it's really the devil who's scared. I don't need to be scared today. Yes, yes. Well, I want to take just a moment here and let everyone that's listening know about this truly Truly, Eddie, I mean it, life-changing resource that we're offering from Pastor Eddie Turner. It's his brand-new book, Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind, and his brand-new and exclusive three-CD audio teaching series. Now, this is a topic that not many ministers tackle. I know that. But if you're struggling out there with any thoughts that bombard you constantly and keep you from being at peace, then this resource can literally set you free. So be sure to listen for Sid at the end of the program, and he's going to tell you exactly how you can get this resource today. Okay, Eddie, let's let's keep going. You know what? I think at this point, most people would think, oh, well, that was the end of that. What happened next? It was. It would be so easy if Jesus would just appear to everybody and we never have another moment of depression or heaviness or blues or darkness or anxiety. But honestly, that's not the way it works, and it didn't work that way for me. Now, honest, for about the next couple of weeks, I had a tremendous peace of mind. Those thoughts 
God does not love you, you're demon-possessed, you're going crazy. For two weeks following that visitation from the Lord, uh, my mind was at rest. I was able to sleep at night. Uh, I was able to concentrate again. Uh, I'd gotten to the point I couldn't even remember people's names. My mind was so captivated with this fear and paranoia. But all of that left, and it was good for two weeks. I got back into my church office. I got out of the house. There was some normalcy returning to our lives. But after about two weeks, all of a sudden, the thoughts started again. This time, they were not as powerful. They didn't have their effect because the Lord had already given me the word that they were vapors. They were powerless. So they didn't have the effect, but they didn't stop. They kept coming. And uh, I kept thinking, why, why are these thoughts coming back? And, you know, the Bible says when a spirit leaves a man, it seeketh. Uh, goes, looks for a place, and if it comes back to its place from which it's left. Uh, so Satan will always come back, even though you've get, got free, even though you might have received a deliverance, even though you have a revelation, or even a visitation, as I have. Satan's more persistent and diligent than most Christians. He'll show back up. He'll come back around, and he came back around to me. And uh, about uh, a couple of months passed, I... I would have good days. I would have some bad days. And it was a particular Wednesday. I was sitting in my office. I had to do Bible study, Wednesday night Bible study. And I was sitting in my office, and I was it was a bad day. I was tired physically. And I've learned this in my journey, that sometimes when we're physically tired or weary, uh, it opens the door for Satan to really torment and harass our minds. We can't put up the fight when our physical flesh is not as strong yes. as it needs to be. So I was tired physically, and uh, I was I was at my desk studying, and I was making some notes, and it was a strange thing because on the inside, I was studying and reading scriptures and praying and making notes for my Wednesday night lesson, but my head, my thought life was being bombarded with negative people, impure uh, lustful, accusatory thoughts. So I had I had the Spirit of God on the inside of me working, but my head was under attack. And after a couple hours of that, I just I just had enough, and I just pushed back and just sat there and bowed my head. And the strangest thought popped into my mind that I'd never had before. And the thought was this: You don't have a problem. This was your family problem. Remember, your grandmother died in a mental hospital. Your aunt died a week after getting out of a mental hospital. Your dad has had mental challenges. This is not your problem. You're not at fault here. You're a victim. And Donna, when that thought hit me, strange as it might sound, as I sat there at that desk, a, a sense of peace flooded me. I thought, that's exactly right. Why am I fighting so hard against something that's always been in my family? This thing has run through the family. My parent, my dad, my grandparents, they're good people. They love Jesus. I know my grandmother's in heaven, so this is just my lot in life. I'm a victim. And for a moment, that thought brought me a sense of peace. So was he trying to was he trying to just make you give up? Yes, he had Donna, he had changed his tactic. He had shifted his scheme. Before he was attacking me personally, God doesn't love you. You are demon possessed. You're the guilty party. And all of a sudden now he tries to come in another way. Mm. It's not your fault. You're a victim. And on the heels of that thought, suddenly, on the inside, these words from my spirit floated up to my mind. Now, remember, I'm still a young guy. I'm still trying to learn how to walk in right. these things. But these words floated up to my mind, and that was, that didn't come from me. The Lord said, that didn't come from Ooh. me. And when the Lord said, that didn't come from me, I immediately realized Satan was changing his tactics. Mm. He was trying to get me to become a victim. And this is what, over the years, as a, my wife and I have ministered to literally thousands of people who are struggling 
in their fault life with depression, this is one of the things we constantly deal with, is that people have bought the lie that they're a victim. Yes. That it's a generational thing. It's passed down from the grandparents to the parents and now to them. And it's okay. It's just their lot in life. And when we take ownership of that, when we take ownership of a victim's mentality, suddenly we feel like we don't have to fight anymore for freedom. Yes, yes. We don't We don't need to fight because we're the victim. It, it's not our fault. It happened to us, and it's out of our control. Right. And it's another lie of the devil. And if I would have accepted that lie, I would not be free today. But immediately when that thought hit me, this is not your fault. You're a victim. And then the words on the inside from the Lord said, that's not me. I knew that victim mentality was not God. I said out of my mouth, I confessed out of my mouth, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And Donna, as soon as I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, as sure as I'm talking to you today, I felt myself lift up out of my chair. In fact, I know what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. But I felt like I felt myself. I, I I heard myself saying, "Oh, oh, oh!" Like I was going up. Gravity lift, lost hold of me, and I don't know whether I, my spirit went up or if my flesh went up. But I lifted up out of my chair, and the next moment I was in heaven, and I stood right in front of the Lord Jesus. It was the same Lord Jesus that I saw in my den just a few months earlier. But this time, um, it, the scene was totally different. Uh, the colors of heaven, I've never seen colors like that. They're not colors that you see on a color chart. They were the most brilliant, amazing, spectacular colors. I wish I had the words to articulate <laughs> just, just the brilliance of heaven. And I saw movement. I was so captivated by Jesus, his his hair touched his shoulders. He had a long white robe. His eyes, I never will forget his eyes, Donna. His eyes shimmered. They were liquid. And he would smile, and I realized that smile would just permeate my being. It went through my being. And for the first time in my life, I experienced true God kind of love. Yes. I realized in heaven, people don't live on oxygen. They live in an environment of love. Mm. It was the most amazing feeling I've ever experienced. And Jesus reached out and hugged me. And when he did, I heard myself go, oh, oh, oh. It was like love went through my body. And he hugged me. And then he started to pull away. And I knew at that moment, for some reason I knew, I don't know how I knew, but I knew at that moment this was just a temporary moment. And I started to pull away. And he said, Eddie, you must go back. I said, Lord Jesus, I don't want to go back. I've never experienced anything like this. I want to stay right here forever. And he said, Eddie, you must go back. And I said, I don't want to go back. And he said, you must go back for your wife and your little boy. And then he pointed to the corner again. And when he pointed this time, there was a whole room of looked like what I would call army cots. They were empty beds, but I knew they were for warriors. They were military, had been used for military or were going to be used for military. Mm-hmm. And he said, you must go back for them. And I slowly then started feeling myself pulling away. I didn't walk back. He didn't walk away. I just started pulling away. And the next moment I realized I was back sitting at my desk. Wow. And over the, over the years, I've, uh, Donna, I've tried to be obedient, to do exactly what he's told me to do, is to teach on the fall life how to get free of this mental torment in our mind how to be free from depression and anxiety. And all the people who have had to feel those wounds, all the soldiers, of course, all the people who worked in churches, who 
serve Jesus, who love Jesus, all the moms, all the dads, who have been uh, sidelined because all the fear or paranoia or anxiety uh, tripped them up and sidelined them. And now they're, they're on those cots. They're sick. They're damaged. They're wounded. And God wants them to know he wants you off those cots. He wants you back in the fight. He wants you in the harvest field. He wants you doing the work of the Lord. And he's given us weapons whereby we can get free and get healed. My goodness. Whoa. Well, let me jump in here and once again let everyone know that Sid and I want to remind you of this powerful resource that we're offering from Pastor Eddie Turner. It's his brand new book, Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind, and his brand new and exclusive three CD audio teaching series. Now, after reading this book, I believe that it belongs in every home, every church, around the world. So be sure and listen to Sid at the end of the program, and he'll let you know how you can get this much-needed resource by Pastor Eddie. You know what? There's one thing I just want to jump in here and say before we move on, because it's so important, and I know sometimes when we're talking, I wrote this down because it was so, so strong to me. And before we move on, I just want to say it for those that are listening. When you had that thought about the victim mentality and the enemy was just trying to get you to to give up you know just give up you're just a victim just you might as well just give Mm -hmm. up you said that you had a sudden revelation that was so so important and that you remember it and you remember it and you remember it all these years and you said I realized that those thoughts were not coming from inside where God's spirit dwells but from the outside trying to get in and that's that's the word you got isn't it when when he said that that didn't come from me that that's exactly that wasn't me and how important for us to know that that yes these thoughts and they're bombarding us yes 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 we 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 hear them in our minds to realize oh you called it a sudden revelation that those thoughts are not coming from inside where God's spirit dwells, but from the outside trying to get in. So the last thing that we need to do is give up. That's exactly right, wow. Donna. And you hit on something that is so important is that we do not have to take ownership mm. of every thought that comes to our mind. Right. See, I was raised thinking, I didn't know any better. I thought that if the thought popped into my mind, it must be me thinking it. Yes. I must be the owner and the author of that It must come from inside you. That's exactly right. It must be me thinking that, not realizing that thoughts come from a myriad group places. They come from a dozen different Mm -hmm. places, from our history, from our environment. Our minds are so wonderfully made that they tell us that every image, every smell, every thought, every word is stored in a data bank in our minds. That's the reason why 20 years after an event occurs, you can be somewhere and smell something or see something, and you'll immediately go back to that moment 20 years earlier where you experienced the same thing or smelled the same thing because it's all stored in in our minds. Mm -hmm. So there's so much, there's so many sources of thoughts coming to us. And I thought, I was under the impression that if, if it pops in my mind, I must own it. It must be me mm-hmm. thinking that. But it's not always us thinking it. Satan puts thoughts right. in our mind. Our environment, our history right. puts thoughts in our mind. And what a revelation that was. I mean, I love the way you described it. You said it was a sudden revelation that's so important to know that they were not coming from inside where God's Spirit dwells, but from the Outside, I just read that over and over again. I thought it was so strong. Okay, I, I, I had to get that in because that just meant so much to Good. me. I mean, that was powerful to me. But let, let's go back. You were in heaven. You looked to the side, and you saw these what looked like army cots. And he said, I'm, I'm right. sending you back for them, his people, right. his children that would be wounded if they didn't get help. What happened to you right after that, Eddie? Well, I came back to, uh, you know, I found myself back in in my office, and once again, I had 
several weeks of uh, tremendous peace, several uh, tranquility, arrest, and then doors started opening, and uh, we started telling the story. A couple of weeks later, uh, after that time where I went to heaven, uh, a pastor, a local pastor called me, and he asked if we'd go to lunch. And I said, well, I'd love to go to lunch. And it was just a casual lunch. Uh, we pastors get together. They try to talk about anything but church because they are involved in church so much. So uh, uh, we just had a casual lunch. And he said to me at the end of lunch, he said, would you mind dropping by my office? Uh, I want to show you something. So I said, of course, I've got a, an hour or so. I'll drop by. So I thought well, he's wanting to show me a project or uh, show me something in his building. So I dropped by and we sat in his office for a second. And I said, yeah, what is it, bud? What do you want to show me? And he said, I don't want to show you anything. I need to talk to you. And over the next 30 to 45 minutes, he unloaded every difficult, horrific, tormenting thought that he was dealing with. And I recognized right then this pastor was on the verge of a total mental, emotional collapse. And he had no one to talk to. He had no one to share it with. He couldn't share it with his board of directors. Nobody wants a pastor who's losing their mind. He couldn't share it with his family because they might overreact. He didn't know my situation. He had not heard about my visitation. This was just a casual lunch that he had invited me back to his church. But over the next 30 to 45 minutes, he just unloaded. And immediately the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I told you, these are the people that I've sent you back to to minister to. Wow. Wow. And Donna, there's millions of people that are listening to us and across this wonderful globe that are tormented in their minds. They are under attack. They are being so bombarded daily, and some of them even at night. They lose their sleep. Their body is being torn down by this emotional upheaval, this mental onslaught, and they have no one to talk to. They feel like they're weak. They feel like they're less than spiritual. They feel like they are. If they say it, people will think they're crazy, and they'll lose their witness. But I want you to know it's real, and it happens, but there is an answer. Yes. There is an answer, and it's in the Word of God. And these are the people that you were sent back for, Pastor Eddie. That's and exactly I, right. I know that you said now, you know, after after meeting with that pastor, I mean, right after this, this visit to heaven, you understood that these are the people that I was sent back for. So now in all your conferences and all your meetings, you, you, you ask for those. That, that are needing help, that are needing help. You're reminded of those army cots that you saw uh, that, that people would fill up because they're so wounded if you didn't come back and reveal this truth to them that God had given you. And so what kind of response do you get at your meetings when you ask people to come and be prayed for? Recently, I was in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, doing a pastor's conference. There was 800 pastors there, and I taught this. Uh, the last night of the conference, and uh, half of the pastors came up for prayer, lined from one side of the Swallowger Auditorium to the other side. People all across the spectrum, age, Amanda and I deal with a lot of children. We're seeing a, a great amount of children now. Parents are bringing children to us because their children are just being tormented in their minds. And the only thing that medical science has to offer, and we thank God for medical science, but the only thing they are offering people who are tormented in their mind is some type of medication. And that medication, to a large degree, just numbs them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fix Mm -hmm. them. And uh, especially if there's a spiritual entity involved in this onslaught, you cannot doctor spiritual entities away. You have to use the weapons of our warfare, right. which are from God right. for spiritual entities. So we're seeing males, females, children, older people, younger people, rich, poor. This attack against our minds, this onslaught is no respecter of persons. And in our conferences, they line up every time we teach this. 
pray for us, pray for us, pray yes. for us. And here's the amazing thing about that. If I, and when we pray for people, there's an anointing that comes and, and we'll tell them, now you're going to receive a temporary reprieve from this torment, but that's not going to eternally get rid of it because uh, it's a process of getting our minds renewed with the Word of God. Yes. If I could have had somebody lay hands on me and if that would have renewed my mind, I would have flown all over the world to find that sure. person. But, but we don't get our minds renewed by having hands laid on us. It's a wonderful thing to have that impartation of the anointing, and it helps, but it doesn't fully renew our minds. Right. The renewing of our minds takes place by our continual, diligent, consistent discipline of filling our minds with the Word of right. God. Right, and you know what? I, I am so encouraged and excited when, when you say during these meetings and these conferences that hundreds and hundreds of people come up to get free, and because what Jesus taught you, the, the principles that he gave you, and what you learned when you were there in heaven, and you are teaching other people so that they can learn how to conquer this chaos, and and then the ultimate to, to live in peace after that. What what do you say when people say to you, Pastor Eddie, so so when did you get free from the mental torment? When, when Exactly when, when was it? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the question I get in every conference and every service. When did you get free? What was the moment? And the truth of the matter is, uh, I, I don't know the time or the day I got free. I had... Uh, I remember the morning that it dawned on me that I was free. Wow. I woke up one morning, and uh, I sat straight up in my bed, and I looked at my wife. I woke her up. I shook her. I said, wake up. She said, what's wrong? I said, it's gone. She said, what's gone? I said, the vice grip around my head, it's gone. She, well, she said, what do you mean it's gone? I said, it's gone. I don't have that pressure around my head. I said, I, I'm thinking right. I said, I can see. See, I had gotten so bound that everything, literally, Donna, had become dark. Yes. Now, I'm not talking about spiritually dark. Yes, it was spiritual, but physically dark. Mm -hmm. My wife would come in in the daytime while I was there. She would come home from lunch, from work. I had every light on in the house. She said, Eddie, it's sunny outside. The window curtains are open. What are you doing with the lights on? I said, as dark as it can be. There were a darkness had literally invaded me physically. But I said, it's bright in here. It's, it's no longer dark. I said, I can remember things I was supposed to do two weeks ago. I'd, for, I'd lost my memory almost. I said, I can remember. She said, what happened? When did you get free? Did it happen overnight while we were sleeping? I said, I don't know. She said, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> And, and the truth is this, Donna, I had walked by faith for so long, speaking God's word, proclaiming my freedom, declaring my freedom, that I'd walked out of it. I'd walked out of my bondage and didn't even realize I'd walked out of it until that morning. So there was no laying on of hands. There was no one service that did it all for me. It was multiple services, but it was a revelation and putting into practice what God had taught me through his word and being a doer of the word that eventually got my mind renewed to the point that I was walking in freedom in my mind. You know what? I want to cover one more thing before we pray and, and leave today, Pastor Eddie. And I know, you know, Sid, as always, when we're when we're looking for guests that can really share something that will help people, you know, sometimes they may have a good story, but Sid always says, well, always ask the question, but what about me? What about me? What What's in it for me? And I know everybody is not going to have a visitation from Jesus, and everybody's not going to get to go to heaven and see Jesus and encounter him in heaven. But everybody, every single person can do what you said finally set you free. Right. Honestly, I was several months into this thing, and I told the Lord one day. I was kind of struggling one day, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, your word's not working. And I said that in prayer, your word's not working. I said, Every, as long as I'm praying or reading my Bible or listening to worship music, I have peace in my mind. But 
you know, honestly, and I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to do that more than any other, <laughs> but I can't, I can't do that 24 hours a day. As soon as I quit praying or listening to worship music, these thoughts bomb, start bombarding me again. And I said, so your word's not working. I said, it says in Philippians 4, chapter 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So I'm praying. And then the next verse says, Lord, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind. I said, Lord, that one verse works. I'm praying. And the peace comes when I pray. But something's happening. The guard's leaving. As soon as I conclude my praying, the torment starts again, and I can't pray 24 hours a day. I'm, I want to, but I can't do it. I've got other things to take care of. And and I was praying that on a Saturday morning. I said, Lord, the guard's leaving. You said the peace would come when I pray. Well, it does. It comes while I'm praying, but I can't pray all day long. And on the inside, once again, I had my Bible open to Philippians 4, 6, 7, 8. On the inside, I heard these words. Read the next verse. So I read verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, lovely, pure, honest, of a good report, think on these things. I said, Lord Jesus, that's a great verse. Read it many times. But the guard is leading me. I said, when I'm praying, I have peace. But as soon as I finish praying, my peace leaves and the torment comes. I can't pray all day long. What's the problem? And I heard on the inside a second time. Read the next verse. So I read it. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, lovely, pure, honest, of a good report, think on these things. Once again, I said, Lord Jesus, that's a wonderful verse. But the guard is leaving. You're not listening to what I'm saying. As long as I'm praying, I have peace. But I can't pray 24 hours a day. So what do I need to do? And the third time I heard these words, read the next verse. And when I started to read verse 8, the first word, finally, when I said the word finally, it was like, Donna, that word finally came up off the page of my Bible and went 3D on me, right in front (laughs) of my eye. And I heard the Spirit of God say, after you've prayed, you have one final thing to do. Think right. And truly, that revelation right there helped me to totally get free. That we as Christians, we do a lot of praying. We know we're supposed to pray. And most of us, what we've learned to do is that we'll pray. And we used to call it years ago, we pray till we pray through. We'd get peace. We'd pray until we sensed peace or felt a relief. And then we'd go about our duties and go about our business and maybe have peace for two hours after praying, or maybe a day or two have peace. But then that onslaught, that torment would come. And the Lord showed me, after you finish praying, you've got one final thing to do. You've got to think right. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. So this is what we teach in our lessons and in our conferences, is teaching people the necessity That praying is so vitally important, but after you pray, you've got to get your mind and your thought life in line with the Word of God, and you have to take every thought captive, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and pulling down every stronghold with the weapons of our warfare. Wow. Finally. Finally, you were free. I have read that verse so many times, just just like you have, Pastor Eddie. Finally, brethren, think on these. So I I, I was just amazed. So after you finish praying, (laughs) after you finish praying, you're not finished. You're not finished. (laughs) You've got one final thing to do. You've got from that moment that you say amen to your prayer, You've got to start thinking. We have to start thinking in line to our prayer of faith and refuse to allow other thoughts, contrary to what we've prayed in faith, to get in our mind. Refuse to entertain those thoughts. Take those thoughts negative, fearful, painful, tormenting thoughts that would come
come to try to steal our faith and steal our declaration of promise. We have to take those terrible thoughts captive, kick them out, and focus on true, lovely, honest, pure and a good report. Right. That's what we think. Of. Right. And every single person can do that. We may not get a visitation from Jesus, like I said, or we may not go actually in an encounter to heaven, but every single person can do what you just said and be free. You're exactly right. The, the visitations from Jesus, the visits from Jesus, my encounter in heaven, they were wonderful, but they didn't give me complete freedom. It was when I put the Word of God to work and started getting my mind renewed with God's Word. That's when I got free. And every listener can do that. Yes. When you talk about the power behind a thought, can this actually determine our destiny? You're exactly right. The Bible tells us that as a man thinketh, so is he. Wow. I try to, I try to say it this way. You can either take your thoughts captive or your thoughts will take you captive. We have a choice. Yes. You know, the Lord Jesus says in the book of Matthew, he says, you know, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness. He, he lists the whole things of bad things. And we, we quote that verse there in Matthew, I think it's Matthew 15. We quote that verse and we say, out of the heart proceed murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts. He says those things defile the man, but he, the first thing he lists, he said, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, thoughts. murders, adultery, fornication, thefts. Murder begins with a thought. The first thing that comes out of our heart is a thought. Mm -hmm. Murder begins with a thought. Adultery begins with a thought. Fornication begins with a thought. Every evil, sinful thing, it begins with a thought. And if we learn, can learn the power of a single thought, it can, can determine our destiny. Wow. I tell, I tell men all the time, men who are listening to me today, you never have to worry about being unfaithful to your spouse. Ladies, you never have to worry about being unfaithful to your spouse if you never entertain the thought. Wow, that's powerful. Thoughts are blueprints for action. That is powerful. Just like just like you have a thought, just like you have a blueprint before you build your construct your house, thoughts are blueprints for actions. If you don't entertain the thought, you will never follow through on the action. Yes. Satan operates in the arena of thought. So if we can stop him right there, we can whip him every yes. time. Yes. Pastor Eddie, I want everybody to know that you've got an entire section in your book that talks about and teaches what you were just talking about right now about thoughts and where that leads. And it, it's called the anatomy of a stronghold and what a stronghold is. So we, of course, don't have any time left to talk about that. But please, please, if you can get this material, because that is so, so powerful. And one last thing I would love for you to do, Pastor Eddie, if you would, you have talked about the promises of God, what he promises, peace, joy, abundant life. And you said, that we can have that. We can conquer. We can win. Will you pray for our listeners, please? I would be honored to, Donna. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for people in various countries, in various states, cities, in their homes, at work, in their cars, who are listening to this broadcast right now, and they're tormented. I'm asking you, Father, right now, to invade their moment invade their mind, first of all, give them a peace and a confidence and a hope that they can get free from this depression. They can be free from this torment. Let them know that right now. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to begin to invade their little minds, their tormented minds, and help them to realize there's hope in the Word of God. I rebuke the enemy of fear. Yes. I take authority over the spirit of confusion and torment that's plaguing our listeners today, and we release the spirit of peace, the spirit of joy, the spirit of confidence. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Eddie, thanks for being with us today. And now here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get today's resource package by Pastor Eddie Turner. Sid? 
Many people are constantly harassed by negative thoughts that just won't stop. They become crippled by anxiety and depression, even paralyzed by fear, especially in the times we're living in. But Pastor Eddie Turner says you can conquer the chaos in your mind. And I know I'm speaking to everyone that's listening to me right now, no matter how long you've been a believer. Eddie had a powerful vision in which Jesus appeared to him and taught him how to control oppressive thoughts. And now Eddie imparts these critical lessons and insights to you so you won't ever be bullied by oppressive thoughts again. You can get Eddie's brand new book, an exclusive three CD audio teaching series, Conquering the Chaos in Your Mind, for an investment of only 35 US dollars. To order, call 1 800 447 2697. Once again, that's 1 800 447 2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9727. Again, that's offer number 9727. 